We get to go to God's Word now, and we're going to listen to the resurrection account as we find it in John's Gospel. And it's John 21 through 16 that we're going to listen to. This is God's holy and infallible Word. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. And this is very key for our focus this morning. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, Why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. That's God's word for us this morning. One of the puzzling things about the resurrection of Jesus is what happens later, and what happens later is he ascends into heaven. Jesus takes off. He leaves. Why didn't he stay? Wouldn't that have been a whole lot better? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Jesus was crucified He conquered death. He rose again. What momentum he had for establishing God's kingdom on earth. He could have planted a huge megachurch, then traveled the world, showed people his hands and his sides so they'd come to faith. He could have done crusades, had TV shows. Think of how much better and easier it would have been for the advancement of the church throughout history. Instead of some schmuck like me, we'd have Jesus himself preaching to us. He'd either could have been traveling around the world to all the different churches, or maybe we'd simulcast every sermon from him, or he'd do something supernaturally so that we'd all hear a a word from him directly. Then the mission of the church would really, really have taken off, wouldn't it? And 
And boy, wouldn't our faith be so strong then, right? The disciples had Jesus right there with them to comfort them, to teach them, to assure them of their salvation, to pray for them. And instead of that, we have imperfect people that, that we, we've got to deal with and, and interact with for our faith. Imperfect people in, in, our, in our leadership in our churches. Imperfect people in our small groups. It, it would have been so much better if Jesus stayed around and continued his ministry on earth. But he did not do that, did he? And if he did not do that, that means he must have had something better in mind. What he decided to do instead after his resurrection, after he rose again, is better than that. John's resurrection account shows us Jesus bringing people from the old to the new. It's showing us how Jesus brings us something better. And the reality is, he can, is that he can bring you today into that too. He can bring something better than the old way of things for you, for your loved ones, something better than you could ever imagine on your own. And, and the fact is, God does that sort of thing all the time in our lives, brings us something better than the old, better than what we could have come up with. He's done that in this church Almost five years ago, the congregation voted for the church to put a bid on a home here in Elmhurst. It was a a short sale situation. It seemed to be just the right house for a parsonage. Remember that? It was five years ago now, but but it didn't work out. It fell through. I don't think we even know why exactly, because something to do with the complications of, of short sales and how all that goes, and it was a little disappointing What? How could this happen? This was God's will. Or at least we thought it was, but it wasn't. It turns out he had a different house over in Villa Park that he wanted to be the church's parsonage, and that was better. The house we originally wanted flooded less than a year later. So God had something better. And then, you know, we voted to call someone to be our minister of congregational life last spring, We liked him a lot. He was a great guy. He was just coming out of seminary. A few other churches were interested in calling him too. And at the last minute, before he made his decision, another church swooped in, tailored a job description that was exactly what he wanted. And he took that call and declined ours. That was tough. But now Pastor Matthew's here, and no offense to the other guy, But I believe firmly that God's plan was something better. God knew what he was doing. God was looking out for us. And he always, always will look out for his people. And he'll look out for our church. We are his people. He loves us. And he's in control of history and our decisions and our lives. And and all of that is true for your life too. His resurrection brings a faith and a life better than we could have ever dreamed up, better than we ever could have hoped for. And that's what we see in the story of Easter today. The disciples 
are actually still in the old way. But Jesus' resurrection and power bring them out of that. And the highlight of our verses, the, the, little, the stuff that happens around the tomb is verse 8. When John went inside the tomb, he saw and he believed. And that is what it's all about for John, this guy who wrote this gospel. He wrote this so that we would believe in Jesus. The very last verse of this chapter we read tells us straight out that that is the purpose of this gospel. If you still got your Bibles open, take a peek. So he believed, but there's something goofy here. There's something goofy. We read that he saw and believed, but then the very next verse says they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then verse 10, the disciples went back to their homes. And I'm thinking, what? That is strange. They believed, but they didn't really understand, and then they went home? I mean, Jesus has risen from the dead. John is telling us that there was something, I believe, about that faith of John that was maybe less than full, less than real faith, maybe a lesser faith. The end of this same chapter we read, again, if your Bibles are open, take a peek. There's another disciple who believes after seeing, and that's Thomas. He doubted what everyone said that Jesus had arisen, but then when he finally saw Jesus a week after the resurrection, then he believed. So both John at the beginning here and Thomas saw and then believed. Jesus says to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But then Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And now we're starting to zero in on what's different and on what's better after the resurrection. Believing first is better than having to see in order to believe. But we shouldn't be too hard on Thomas needing to see to believe because that's kind of how it always was. I mean, Jesus' whole life on this earth was filled with miracles, things to see to believe. And that's how it was in Old Testament times. Big miracles at key points. God parted the Red Sea. The people walked through. And science today all around us, it's all about having evidence. It's very human. It's very natural to want to see something before we believe. But there's something better than living that way. Better than John's initial faith at the tomb. Better than Thomas's faith. The old faith of living on sight isn't really so great. Back in the Old Testament, the Red Sea parted. God saved his people. His enemies drowned. Wow, how could you not believe in God and trust in him the rest of your life after seeing all that? But you know what happened? A few days later, the people started whining and mumbling and grumbling in the desert. 
not trusting that God who had done that, not thinking he was going to care. Like, God forgot about us. Boy, that was a very fleeting faith, wasn't it? A fleeting faith that one based on the miracle and seeing. And throngs of people saw Jesus' miracles, but they later wanted him crucified. So there was something lesser or fleeting or incomplete or not real about that faith. I think needing evidence for faith is kind of like kindergarten-level faith, maybe. And, And that's where the Old Testament people were at. Very immature. Kids in the faith, and so God gave them these signs to see. They needed helps. But when Jesus rises from the dead, he brings a whole new world, a whole new phase in history, and that includes a better faith, a better life than before. And where we see it is when Jesus and Mary meet. Mary was at the tomb weeping. She sees the angels in the tomb. They speak to her. She sees someone, can't tell it's Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener. And then Jesus says, Mary. And she knows it's him. What triggers her faith? Not seeing first. It's when Jesus speaks her name. When she hears his voice, then she sees him. So she hears his voice, then she sees. In, in the middle of John's faith and Thomas's faith, who saw and believed, Jesus' encounter with Mary is showing us, God's people, a new way, a better way. And the better way is this. Believe in his word, and then you will see what he will do. Power. And real living faith come from hearing the voice of Jesus. And we hear his voice in his word, in the Bible. So what what does that mean? What's the difference in living? Well, maybe, maybe a difference is something like this. So this past Monday morning, I drove west down Roosevelt Road to Central DePage Hospital about 6 a.m. for a brain MRI. Thank you for all the prayers heading into that. It was bitter cold in that MRI, by the way. It's always cold in MRIs. If you've been in one, you know that. They have to keep that huge machine, the magnets, cool. But this was crazy cold. They have warm blankets for people, and I usually don't need them. But I needed two warm blankets on Monday morning. So I laid there, still as can be, all the banging and the noise of those MRIs, went to work the rest of the day. The next morning, drove down the same road to meet with my doctor, knowing he was going to give me the results. Now, how do we approach situations like that? One very natural way is to kind of look for signs on Monday, during the day, after those scans, or on Tuesday morning when you wake up on the way down the road to the hospital, Lord, Lord, give me a sign that it's going to be okay. It's very natural. We want to see something first before we believe and trust. 
And I believe God can and does give us his people concrete signs sometimes. But there is a better way to living. There's a better approach, and the better way is holding on to God's word and his promises. That's better than looking for signs. As I was waiting for the doctor to come in the room, I have to tell you I was getting nervous. I wish I could say as your pastor that I was perfectly calm in my heart, perfectly trusting God all the way. What I should have done a better job of doing was thinking this, Lord, your word says you will be with me always, even to the ends of the earth, and I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to trust in that. Believe him, take him at his word, and then see what he will do. That's the way to live. Instead of needing to see something to believe, like John and Thomas, it's the old paradigm. In my own situation, thank the Lord, on Tuesday, everything was fine. The first thing the doctor said when he walked in the room was, everything looks fine. And then suddenly the wait was over. But here is the thing about our faith, friends, even when everything doesn't look fine, even when you've been given a bad report, this resurrection faith will see you through. It really, really will. Believe in his word. Trust in his promises. And you will see. There's even more that's better about the faith after the resurrection that we could talk about this. Right after this little section, Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, as the Father sends me, I'm sending you. And then, you know what he did? He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus went right away after Mary to meet with them the core of the New Testament church, because the church is what it was going to be about from then on. And so this faith of ours, the Easter faith, includes the church where we live this better faith together, support each other, have a mission to invite others out of the old and into the new. There's nothing like the church, friends. Oh, we're not perfect but it's better than anything else you'll ever find in this world, this side of heaven. I guarantee that for your faith and for your life. And on top of the church also, we have the Holy Spirit. He breathed on the, the, the little church starting out there, disciples. We don't have to rely on ourselves, our talents, our wits, our feelings to make it in life because then we would be in really, really bad trouble. If you have to rely on yourself, I have to rely on myself to make it through. Instead, we have divine power. We have power from God himself, the Holy Spirit, this special gift that Jesus sends after the resurrection. And we don't even have time this morning to talk about the church and the Holy Spirit and how awesome they are. I want us to conclude by really focusing on that voice of Jesus, his word this Easter. He said Mary's name, and he calls your name too. 
And we can hear him, we can listen to his voice day by day by knowing his word, being in it on our own, being in worship to hear it proclaimed. So a question this morning in the end is, do you have the better life? Are you living the better life? The old way is very natural, it's very human, it's seeing to believe, needing evidence. But Jesus said, blessed are you if you believe without seeing. If you believe, then you'll see. And I invite you this morning to the better way, a life of trusting in Jesus, putting your faith in him, making his voice, his word a priority, being part of the community of the better way, the church, where we all together experience God's word and have a mission empowered by God himself to spread the news of the risen Lord Jesus and to be empowered to live the new, better life of faith. Amen.